star to the left a podcast on everything fantastic strange and science fictional i'm your host matt nelson with i'm bert i'm chris i'm katie how y'all doing this week i'm bert (laughs) i'm chris (laughs) (laughs) oh this is gonna be one of those days isn't it uh i'm trash you mean when you don't want (laughs) when you don't want to wake up (laughs) everything sucks wait that's not the lyric shit Anyway, um, we have uh, more reader mail this week for y'all, if you're ready. Really? Joy. (laughs) Sorry. I'm trying too hard to power through. (laughs) I'm trying to keep the darkness at bay. It's It's like Pee-wee's Playhouse levels of excitement from like a cast. Wow, really? (laughs) I've gone too far. You said the magic word. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just try not to let the darkness creep in, so I'm just going way too far. So, uh, this one this week um, from a listener named uh, Katie um, asks us, uh, what uh, adaptation uh, of a, like a book, it could be comic book, whatever, uh, what adaptation in your mind was one of the best adaptations that you've seen uh, from like an original property and translated into a movie? Or even TV series, I suppose. So do you mean like most faithful or just best? I, I think you take it whichever way you want. Oh. Well, then um, I would say... Because you can talk like quality versus like faithfulness, I think, like yeah. is an argument. Like for me, I think the Lord of the Rings uh, movies are a not super faithful adaptation, but I think they are in many ways better than the books, frankly. Yeah, that's... There's a good case to be made for that. Um, Solaris is based off Roadside Picnic. No, Tar- uh, Stalker's based off Roadside Picnic. Yeah, Solaris is based on Solaris. Well, right. So, Stalker, <laughs> and Stalker is also the best movie ever made, so that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I probably would go for, like, Arrival here, I think. I think more short stories should be turned into movies, because I think science fiction short stories are some of the most important science fiction work that's being done uh, in general. I, I think that the short story is a, like, massively, uh, I guess not underrated within, like, the people who read science fiction community, but, like, popularly, like, novels are the things that get read the most and make actually make money and stuff when I think the short story is actually just kind of a perfect form for telling a self-contained story that is very focused and uh, has an idea and then wants to communicate that idea to you very clearly. Uh, And I think that in general, like the amount of content you're able to put into a movie is very similar to the amount of movie you're able to put into a short story. And I think Arrival is just like a tremendous example of how you can take a focused short story and turn it into a film that's just uh, really incredible and doesn't have just like extra nonsense that takes away from the whole experience. I think my favorite actually might be Steins Gate, and it was not based off a book or a comic book. It was based off a video game <laughs> yeah. that they turned into an anime series. But I have rewatched that series a few times, and like, I still just really love it. 
Like, it's it's not one of the things that's going to be like, oh my god, it's like transcendental. But it's good for what it is, and I really enjoy it. So, um, and it definitely has like kind of a video game-ish feel to it, but like not necessarily in a bad way. So, I think cool. I really like that one. I think, um, speaking, I like Chris, your selection of Arrival. One of the ones that stands out to me in terms of adaptations is Starship Troopers. Because, like, the book is, I think, really different than the movie. But, like, I think Verhoeven takes this, like, core concept from Starship Troopers and takes a completely different place that is insane and awesome. And that, for me, is, like, a really great adaptation because uh, he takes that core concept and just runs with it in, in a way that I think if you translated the book directly into a movie, it'd be really weird and creepy mm. and fashy. So, <laughs> Props to Verhoeven for, like, taking something useful out of it. Now, like, the movie's fashy, but it's a fashy in a satirical way, not a fascism is good way, which I think the book totally is. Mm. Mm. Stay tuned for the future episode that will surely oh, for sure. happen. Yeah, that has to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, let's get into our discussion of the 1998 Wesley Snipes film, Blade. You better wake up. The world you live in is just a sugar-coated topper. There is another world beneath it. The real world. For thousands of years, they have existed among us. You keep your eyes open. They're everywhere. Chances are you've seen them yourself and didn't know it. A secret nation. Our livelihood depends on our ability to blend in with a lust for power. We should be ruling the humans. These people are our food. They've got their claws into everything. Politics, finance, real estate. There's a war going on out there. He makes the weapons. I use them. Now, one will lead them to conquer mankind. Tonight, the age of man comes to an end. We're going to be gods. And one will try to stop him dead. There are worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. So uh, this is the story of a human-vampire hybrid who a, hunts a vampires. A Dampier. Dampire? <laughs> I believe it's Dampier. Okay. Uh, who hunts vampires at night and day and discovers a vampire plot to awaken the old gods, old blood gods, and is aided in his quest to slay the bad guys by... A uh, another woman, a doctor that he meets along the way. This is a very fun movie. There's not much substance to the plot. How would y'all react to this one? It's maybe I had forgotten how 90s of a movie this truly is. Uh, like from the first scene where the dude who gets like tricked into coming to the vampire <laughs> blood orgy <laughs> club. Uh, yeah, so not only is the music just oh boy, the music. Uh, but also just his hat that he's wearing. And he's, he gets <laughs> tricked by Tracy Lords too, no less. Right, right. There's a lot of Tracy <laughs> Lords in this movie, which I had just not like. I certainly didn't know who she was the first time that I watched this movie. So mm. that's sure you didn't. There's okay. a lot of Tracy Lords in this movie, like the first five minutes. And right, she's dead. So yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I guess that's yeah, yeah. That's true. She's she. He just stabs her. Immediately, you're right. A lot of stabbing in this movie, though. Yeah. Stabbing, heads exploding. Oh, yeah. mar- like, uh, one-on-one, like, just lining up for, like, martial, you know, fighting. Like, martial arts fighting. How very a lot convenient. of, like, grotesque 
explosion too. Like there's a lot of just like puffiness in this film if you think about it. Just like swelling and puffiness in every aspect. It's of very bloated. Uh, it's very like everyone's just got edema. Their ankles are really swollen. You have to wear the compression socks. <laughs> Well, they all have like a, you know, a blood syndrome, really. So probably. Uh, I'd argue that I too right now have a blood syndrome that's causing me to be puffy. So (laughs) no one's making a movie about that and nor should they. That would be a bad movie. (laughs) Steven Norrington, get on it. (laughs) It's their turn. Uh, No, uh, it is a very 90s movie. Um, I had seen it maybe twice. And I actually remembered a lot of it. I was kind of surprised. Um, yeah, it, like individual scenes like really have stood out to me over the years. I can't remember the last time I saw this, but I remember moments and they happened. I was like, ooh, that one. Yeah, um, I was kind of taken aback and surprised by how good a lot of it was. The first half in particular, I thought was better than it had any right to be. Um, <laughs> the second, it kind of falls apart near the end but uh there's still a lot of great images i mean there's some tacky images but there's a lot of interesting shots and um direction and uh wesley snipes is like a trained martial artist he's very very good and yet i struggled to think of many other films where he does a lot of fighting i mean i know there's like demolition man but not I, like martial arts fighting. Right. I kind of was like, they should just make like, I wish I wish they made more kung fu martial arts fighting movies so this guy could just be, you know, like a Jean-Claude Van Damme type guy. But Yeah. You know. Or at least if like in the bad music video, Michael Jackson actually fought him instead of dancing exactly. at him. Yeah. We'll never see well, it. Well, this speaks to the trivia, I think, behind the film, but... Snipes had apparently had been working on a Black Panther project for a while. Yeah. So he would have had the opportunity to do that sort of like physical fighting work as a superhero. And I think it just didn't get off the ground. And so Blade was in some ways a consolation prize for him. Honestly, I think he'd be a better Black Panther, too, than we got. That's just me. but <laughs> He definitely has more physicality. I think one of the things I appreciate about this film, because it's not, I wouldn't say, a great movie. No. But one of the things I appreciate about it is like the special effects like he is in so much the stunt work in the film and so that allows you to sort of like film action in a way that you often can't with other films the i mean yes i i think i watched it several times um i know i watched it in theater i think this may have like been one of the first uh like comic book adaptation movies that really gained a lot of momentum and a lot of popularity So in a way, we can blame Wesley Snipes for causing this dystopian hell that we're in yeah. now. <laughs> so cool, thanks, Blade. Um, now, um, like watching it now is like it in our current, you know, hellscape nightmare. It seems like so much more politically charged. Like everyone made such a big fucking deal about Black Panther, and like. No one wants to talk about, like, this 1998 film that everyone actually kind of, you know, universally likes. At least people who tend to, yeah. like, condemn, like, oh, I can't believe all these movies are getting so political. Like, probably they liked Blade when it came out. Uh, just, like, the two main characters, like, a man and a woman, are both black. Um, and the villains are all white. So, like, no one talked about... And also there's cop killing. Um, yeah. And no one sees this movie as political at all. 
like, and I just think that this is just how it speaks to how charged things have become. Not to say that racism wasn't a thing back then by any means, but um, there are way more, I think, ra- like subtle, subtle race, uh, race based like um, messages that are going on in this movie as much as you could do with a vampire, you know, um, type comic book movie. But um, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But yeah, just like watching it now, I'm just like, oh my god, like, if this came out now, it would get so many more, like, Nazis flocking to, like, con- like it's just, uh... anyway. Yeah, it would feel more transgressive than it was, or that it feels now. I still think that it might be, as far as, like, any action movie I know, have the best, like, first five minutes. Like, the first, yeah. like, sorry, five or ten minutes. Like, the, the first, like, opening scene in that rave... I still think, like, where he's just like, oh, we're just fucking killing everyone now. It's just, everyone's dying, and there's blood everywhere, quite literally. Um, just out the fucking gate. I'm like, yep, it's still probably packed, like, the hardest punch at the beginning of, like, any movie I've ever watched, so. <laughs> yeah, it's a great character introduction. Um, it's a great just, like, set piece and idea for a scene. Um, yeah, something that struck me about this movie is just how, like, ahead of its ahead of the curve it was um one thing that i should just get on because it's my kind of thing um so last week we talked dark city from 1998 which came out before the matrix and this movie involves a guy in a trench coat who shoots a lot of people with guns oh my god and jumps this movie was really far every scene was just the matrix and oh and, and there's a scene with bullet time and the whole movie is about a weird societal conspiracy that nobody knows about that like and nobody ever i i don't know of anybody that compares these two movies which is really weird the um, scene where like he's gonna like 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 the 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 end of the movie the climax of the movie and when he's yeah. like raiding the vampire you know headquarters basically where they're about to do the ritual and the like vampire security guard army is like trooping down into the lobby like that's just the lobby like the lobby it's scene the from same. the matrix is just copied <laughs> yes. from that i definitely got a lot of deja vu yeah for sure uh, except there's a motorcycle in the lobby. And it really, like, the, you hear that motorcycle coming for, like, like 15, <laughs> 10, 15 minutes before it shows up. And they're looking around like, what's going to happen? But it's like, he's going to fly in on a motorcycle. You you know that's going to happen. <laughs> um, now, Dark City, better than The Matrix. This, it's a hard decision. <laughs> it really is. It might be neck and neck. I, I have a hard time picking, but I don't like The Matrix much. But, uh... You think I that mean, might bias your opinion? Uh, I mean, it's a it's a question of how much I like this movie, and I it was pretty pretty good. Like I said, it kind of falls off at the end. It and there's a lot of like kind of needlessly like uh, you said grotesque. I would more kind of um, cruel. There's kind of a weird line of cruelty through it for no real reason. Mm-hmm. I guess just to make the bad guys bad. But it's still there's just, a lot of. There's, a, I mean, Blade also does a lot of torturing yeah. in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure does. He's because he's he's like an anti-hero. Well, I think one of the things, Bert, you're sort of talking about the movie falling apart towards the latter half. Uh-huh. I think one of the things I struggled with was the movie can't seem to decide whether vampires are magical or scientific, and tries to sort of like have like both at the same time, and like the yeah, there's a there's a vampire old god. That can be summoned by 
pulling little tiny spirits out of these like vampire elders or <laughs> vampire vampirism is a blood deficiency that you can sort of handle and respond to that way. I kind of like that. It, it's it's a sort of sci-fi but fantasy thing. Not fantasy, I guess mytholo- mythological thing. Like it's a it's a they try to do the blending between the two and I mean it works as good as it it really has the Hellboy thing going on. Now I will say I, I enjoyed this movie better than Hellboy, but that's you can call that an apples and oranges thing. Um, they're very similar too, uh, in a lot of ways. Hmm. But uh, I don't know the first the first half to two thirds. I was just very surprised by the way it's directed, um, kind of the way different characters interact. Uh, a lot of it feels very natural, even though you're watching a movie with a half-vampire guy fighting a bunch of vampires in nightclubs and stuff. <laughs> You'd think it wouldn't work that well. I could get into some of the, like, around that time, like, you know, the whole, like, race-based medicine thing. Um, that I meant to, like, actually do more research on that, and I completely forgot until just now. Um, <laughs> like, when they're talking about the serum, because she's a hematologist, which actually does make sense. Um, when you think about uh, certain, like there are um, like relative risks uh, and like general population numbers, like um, there do tend to be like certain autoimmune diseases that are definitely more prevalent in black populations. Um, I mean, for one, sickle cell in like sickle cell disease, sickle cell anemia, that's almost entirely like, you know, uh, like the black population or you know, people of that like African descent. Right. Um and then you also have like incidents in case of lupus as well. Um, that's I think more like autoimmune, but it can still affect the blood. So it does. It definitely like makes a lot of sense for her character to be a hematologist, um, you know, as a black woman. And I don't want to speak too much about that because like I don't want to show my ass and be out of my depth here. But I, th- I thought that was actually really good of them to try to do it because, um, especially around not that time, I don't think, but around the 90s is like when you really had a lot of criminalizing of people who were living with HIV as well. Mm-hmm. So that became like a really like polarizing uh, time because like that's when you started like seeing laws where, you know, if you had uh, HIV. If you know, it exposed someone to an STI, things like that. It's like, right. like spitting at someone um, right. could be considered assault if you are um, specifically like living with HIV. So like you, you have this time, so... The whole like bloodborne pathogen, bloodborne disease uh, aspect of it, um, I think a lot could be like extrapolated from this movie, and maybe that's why they tried to bring like the scientific element and like the serum to it, right? Because maybe it was perhaps some of the like thematic elements were more salient um, for a lot of the issues that were going on at that time, and like still are going on, but uh, particularly then. From a like bloodborne disease metaphor angle i think it it may that may have been like one of the things sort of like motivating the concept but then i think it really quickly falls apart just based on like the way the vampires are portrayed is like almost the way that like people with hiv or aids were seen as like terrified like don't let them hug you or whatever they're 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 horrifying monsters basically and here the vampires like 
Oh, if you start to turn, you better kill yourself because there ain't. You're just gonna be. You're gonna be a bad guy. You're just gonna be a bad guy now. And then all the vampires just are straight bad guys. Like there's no reason. Like we're not giving any reason why Blade should have any remorse for just like indiscriminately murdering in the vampire nightclub. Like just That's true. <laughs> they're they're the bad guys because they got the vampirism and. uh so I think that probably taking that as anything like, you know, nodding and winking towards real world stuff ends up just like kind of not working. But yeah. uh, I-, I do think like other texts that have explored vampirism as a metaphor for disease have done a really interesting job with it. But I'm not sure that Blade is quite smart enough to make that thing happen. No, that's true. And that brings me to my next point. Now that I made my smart point. I would like to say how much <laughs> I love Deacon Frost's character of playing a fucking, like, 30-plus-year-your-mom joke for a punchline to be delivered. <laughs> <laughs> so Joke's on you. Your mom works for me, and she's hot. I'm banging oh, your mom. Okay. I had to wait 30 years to say that. <laughs> Hold up. If we're jumping into that, like, that is by far the most creepy thing in this movie to me. It's so oh, yeah. fucked up. Yeah, no, it's what really What were they weird. thinking? Like, <laughs> I think it's a lot about the writers it, and like the directors. It's a like, weird Oedipal sub yeah. like, scene. For like, all no of a sudden, like, reason, no. Like, like who, who who like suggests this? Like, all right, well... You, you know would be a really cool idea? <laughs> a really cool idea. <laughs> what if this lady... What if... What if what if she's his mom? What if? Whoa! whoa wait! 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 What if he has to? <coughs> what if he has to Dude, kill his mom? What? But whoa, what if no, he also no. has to fuck his mom? Yeah. What if his? <laughs> what if his mom like makes it look like she's gonna totally make out with? Him what if? Man? What if his mom but horny? <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Okay. But we gotta make <laughs> his mom. This is really hitting me right now. Mom, make his mom <laughs> super hot. What if we make like? Mom wife. Mom wife the movie. <laughs> it's like so creepy. And then like the whole sequence where he kills her is still even like just very like, like penetrative. Yeah, like, just because oh, it's only sexual. their face. Like, yeah, only their face. And like he's definitely like stabbed her in the stomach, by the way, as you can see as her very Amazingly rendered skeleton um, falls apart. A lot, of, a lot just... of good 3D modeling in this movie. A lot of solid <laughs> 90s I just computer love... generated. It's just like so much cringe and like like you know you know that like someone was in like that writing room and they're just like oh what the fuck and like there's probably like at least people like yeah and then what if this yeah what if you just want a boner and like there's just someone like in the back and just I'm sure it's just like. David S. Square, you posted cringe. You lose theater door. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this, is what, this is what happens when you don't have any women in the writer's room. You just get it's, Wesley Snipes fucking his mom. It felt like... It felt like, like this is somebody, why we need feminism, so that Wesley Snipes doesn't fuck his mom. It felt like somebody wrote the last half, like, oh, like, what if his wife died and then she comes back? And then at the beginning, like, eh, make his mom instead. Ooh, it's his mom. Yeah. Plus, that, that lets them do something that you, you know, you never really get to see as the first scene in a movie, the superhero, the superhero's origin, as in the superhero being born. Like, yeah. you never really get, <laughs> Quite get like, literally. this actual newborn It's like the babies. Fallout 3 beginning, yeah. You, you do get that Man of Steel. I just want to point that out. Asterisk. No, that, yeah, okay, that's true. But... <laughs> 
That movie kind of sucked. No, no <laughs> shit. Wait, future, that, that stay tuned for the future episode. That is a future episode for sure, because I have so many ideas about that movie. I'm bitter. I'm so bitter about Man of Steel. I'm still... How am I still bitter about Man of Steel? <laughs> I don't know. Well... Uh, back to Steven Dorff, though. Uh, um, he rolls. <laughs> I want to say... I'm, I felt like he should have some kind of accent, because it feels like he is the platonic form of Eurotrash from the 90s. Mm. Just like he goes to clubs... He has that like haircut. Yeah, he's Chris Kattan. He's like all, always button up shorts. Or button up shorts, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's Chris Kattan in the club. Just yeah, vampire Chris Kattan. Bobbing his head back and forth, doing. I, I'm surprised. I'm shocked he didn't do coke anywhere in this movie. Like, did he? I don't. I don't remember it. That's probably a deleted scene. I'm oh, sure. Oh man, like missed opportunity. Um, Shout out to Udo Kier, by the way, who is also Euro trash but evil arch euro trash in this film <laughs> he's great it's like we need we need a european guy who sounds like stately who do we get udo kier he's perfect he's just like oh deacon <laughs> also not too expensive oh. yeah uh <laughs> also yeah that was the melty scene like a lot of these scenes were just like was that necessary well we really did blow up a lot of vampires there was so many head explosions for a vampire movie um perhaps the most too many ex- Perhaps <laughs> unless I mean you're, that's that's a that's a philosophical question. Can you have too many vampire head explosions? Well, like if, if I was like naming like if someone was like, "Hey, name the movie that had the most head explosions." I mean, like maybe you think Scanners because it has the most memorable one, but it might yeah. just be Blade. And you're like a vampire movie, and it might just be Blade. Like Scanners mm. just has the one, right? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's a really notable one. Yeah, of it's just what you think when you think head explosions, right? Yeah, no, um, you definitely don't think Blade when you. Th- but boy, just. <laughs> but here it is, exploding all over the place. Also, some melting. Blade might have the most people bloating up until they die. Is <laughs> that too? Maybe I would also. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this movie is that, like, you know, it is good for like the first like two-thirds mm-hmm. um and then like the last third or maybe like a little bit even less than that but there's a solid part of this movie where it's like i'm watching a story being rendered on the side of a van like <laughs> one of those airbrush paintings like with the fucking like oh no the the, the winged bone bat boys emerge out of their bodies and they explode i'm like this is definitely like airbrushed on someone's van hell yeah well, that goes back to to me the the point of like the science versus <laughs> spiritualism because if you think about it, Blade defeats the Blood God who is possessing Deacon Frost with science. Like he kills a spiritual being with the um, yeah anti. This is this that... is the highest concept metal album you've ever pitched. Matt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if you yeah. kill God with science? <laughs> Technical death metal. Hey, guess what we already have, Nietzsche. Yeah, there already you go. killed God. The gay science. <laughs> um, with the yeah. serum, with the blue serum, with mouthwash. What if we killed God with mouthwash? I feel like you're both right, and and it, it's definitely like the last half. Though, <laughs> which part was I right about? Just just curious. Is it the mouthwash part? I just oh, all of it, <laughs> all of it. But like most head explosions, side of the van. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like the first half, though, like when this blades a rockin', don't come. <laughs> the the first half is like it's trying to be like 
kind of serious and dramatic. And I'm like, this is cool. I mean, it's it's still goofy, but like they're trying and it's kind of working. And then the second half, they're like, no, it's tacky. We're being tacky now. And I'm like, I mean, it's still fun, but it's not it's not the same. You know, I love how seriously Wesley Snipes takes this role. Like he does not break character. It's just these like weird moments of joy for Blade, like that fist pump at the start of the film. It's just like this like weird moment of like complete grimness. Then all of a sudden, it's like yeah, I'm I gonna mean, uh, I... counter argue that one. Yeah, okay, you you go. <laughs> Sorry, I I think Wesley Snipes basically made this movie what it was. It's his production company. The original character really isn't like this. He kicks ass in a lot of scenes, but I wish. He wasn't so, like, I wish he didn't show off after he kills everybody or say silly lines or, like, it. it's just because he has those dramatic moments and it actually kind of works. He's a good dramatic actor. So oh, yeah, when, for sure. When And the thing is, is Deacon Frost is too cool for the movie, and that works if you're an asshole and you're a bad guy. I know Blade's like an anti-hero or whatever. Asterisk. Steven Dorff is not cool. He's cool Robert, in the movie. Sorry. But the point is, is, <laughs> like... When when he kills a bunch of people, that pumps his fist, and then yeah, like, the fist bump felt out of place. To be quite honest, it just and, doesn't. And it wasn't really like reflected in later Blade moments. Really, it felt like I think okay. So this is to me as a uh, we'll say a Blade head. Um, I think that that character that um, uh, humor comes up more in Blade Two. Like he definitely yeah, okay. gets to do more of that humor and funness okay. to the character in Blade Two. Okay, and I mean like it. Look, he's cool. Like the whole the whole beginning fight scene with the the club, he's cool as hell. And then the minute he pumps his fist, he's like, "Oh, he's not cool anymore." It's like it's like watching he, someone dab. Yeah, it's like watching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it's like watching somebody go on Ellen and dab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's he kills everybody, and then you know he he does like whip or something. It's like, dude, no, like <laughs> you can't do that. Like you were doing so good, and then just do the floss dance. Yeah. Yeah, and then the line. Was this knife's flossing? You probably can't floss in that body armor, though. Um, and then at the end, like the the big line that I've always remembered—the silly, overblown, uh, some motherfucker is always trying to ice skate uphill. Um, I've read somewhere that that line was not in the script. Of course it wasn't in the script. No, 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 no. <laughs> but what happened was they had some meeting or something like with the writers or the director and Snipes, and Snipes just said it to somebody like as a joke or something. And the guy was like, you have to say that in the movie. And he's like, no, it's stupid. And it's then they're like, you have stupid. to. He's like, you have to. He's like, all right, fine. I'll say it in the movie. So like, it, it doesn't wasn't... make any sense in the moment. Who was trying to ice skate uphill? He wasn't trying to do anything the hard way. He was trying to become a god. Like that's the that's like entering a cheat code. Like he's trying to do things the easy way. It yeah, doesn't make any sense. No, but it's cool. It's just a cool thing to say. So we had to have him say the cool thing. So yeah, and the, the, that's the thing. Like I think it would work better if he was just cool doing spin kicks. Like with another guy who's also doing spin kicks, and, and they neither spin of kick them out land. Of each other. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. He doesn't that's need like to floss. A, that is like basically dancing, which I feel like this movie didn't want to admit because this movie is very hyper masculine. Oh yeah, uh, to a toxic degree for sure. But I was like, oh, they're 
If they do that one more time, it's a dance. <laughs> <laughs> and if then they, they have to kiss. Then they have to <laughs> or kiss. Or at least bow to each other. And just kiss, like, Wesley Snipes gently kissing a man on the forehead, and he just goes <laughs> flying into the wall and explodes. <laughs> um, I would see that movie a million times over. <laughs> two kicks Two kicks is like, you know, a fight, and three kicks is like you're at Sadie Hawkins. You know? Three kicks is like you're you're the whirling dervishes, like you know. <laughs> that's what you're getting into. I appreciated the Chekhov's gunning with the sword. Yeah, really set that they, up nicely. They kind of overdid it by the end, where like it happens multiple fra- times. Yeah. Oh, sp- speaking of uh, heads exploding, also an extremely high number of hands getting chopped off here. Like mm-hmm. there's some. Yeah. There's some serious at, Star Wars or Star here. Wars level of uh yeah. I'm yeah, they here. fake you out at the end with the his the deacon's like, I'm gonna cut your he's like, pull your hand out, and then he's like, ah, fuck it. We did too many of those in this movie. <laughs> We're not gonna do another one. Um I have some okay, so speaking of like regenerative properties and spin kicks, so like something that kind of is like a lost opportunity for this movie for me is um They didn't make any jerk off jokes. Yeah. Well, they might have. I'd have to think. Uh, no. So, so you have the one scene where Blade does the big Matrix jump, right? He throws her really far, and then he does he the Matrix jump. He throws her. He throws her. What the? F- I said, what the? He fuck chucks her across the street. It's awesome. He, he threw her onto another building. From well, they also one building. They also throw throw a small child in this movie, but <laughs> I just go home. Like she's <laughs> where, where her parents just go home, kid. Like. No, get out of here! But but don't he tell threw anybody. Her several stories, and then yeah. she's like, "Uh, my shoulder." Well, he threw into a he threw into a tarp. It's fine, but okay, my <laughs> broken. She'd be shattered. Okay, but where I'm going with this? So he can superpower wise, he can jump really far, and he can fight vampires to where it looks like he's normally fighting them most of the time. And then, like towards the end, she's like, "Oh, I developed a serum, but if you take it." you'll be human and you won't have any of your regenerative properties, or your super strength. I'm like, they never really showed any of that in the movie ever. He's just a guy. Like he just shoots people and hits them with swords and does spin kicks. Like, yeah, he does a big long jump, but like, I don't remember him like regenerating or doing anything like superhuman at all. I was like, they, they could have played that up a little more prior to that. Cause when she says it, I'm just like, I don't know. I thought he was a guy before. He just has, like, silver bullets and stuff. You know? <laughs> Martial arts training. I don't know. He fights, like, a lot of vampires at once. Like, a lot. Well, it doesn't help that he... she She's like, I want to come with you. And he's like, alright. And then she does, and she's... Until she gets kidnapped, she's mostly fine. Like, they well, go through an entire see, club. You don't yeah. see um, him, like, overtly regenerating, but, like, doesn't he have, like, the... The, he gets better uh, in a day or whatever. Oh yeah, well, and then he when he gets the at the end, the needles yeah, when he drinks or the, the spikes through his like um. Hands that's and after. Stuff. That's after that scene. Yeah, though. that's after the scene where they yeah. establish that you can. They can, can regenerate. Maybe, maybe that's why they put it in there. Like, oh, he's gonna bite her we later. F- right. We forgot. They got it. They got it. They're <laughs> they're pretty intentional about Chekhov's gunning. Like most of the stuff that happens in this movie. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things I appreciated was I feel like this is a, a story of old blood versus new blood. Like in this oh, case, like, old oh, money versus new money. New money. Versus, yeah, yeah. I get it. Cause like the, the, the vampire K 
caste system is very much about old money. And it's all about class conflict between the new money of like Stephen Dorff's character who um, is trying to, you know, uh, take over the old boys club, which is interesting. Yeah. Right. And the, the pure blood thing is like certainly some amount of like overt, you know, talking about race slash class like yeah yeah and, and then obviously like blade is black and kills a bunch of white vampires so you know we got that going for us at least yeah at least there's that i don't know i like frost's character i mean he's he's a dick and uh, uh horrible to women but like there's like there's a period where like it's just how he reacts to other characters like the dialogue feels very like just um, it's not like improvisational, but it's very natural. Like, um, the way he kind of bounces off the, the annoying guy who loses his arms all the time. <laughs> I don't remember that guy's name, but like, they just have a like, log. Okay. No, they just that's have, the actor, yeah. That's the actor's office. Yeah. They have an interesting, like, repartee going on. And like, even how he talks to Blade is kind of like, it's antagonistic. He's a super big fuckhead. Yeah, but it's it works though. Like I don't know. Yeah. No, they they have a, a rivalry thing. Like he stabs Blade in both of his shoulders because Blade shot the shit out of both of his shoulders. Like it's it's a good like back and forth sort of thing. Like he is an idiot and he like kind of sucks and stuff. But that he's a spiteful small idiot. Right. That's what's best about him. Right. And like yeah. Like, that, the things that happen between him and Blade are, like, kind of a natural result of Blade doing his job of right. vampire hunting. Whereas, like, they had to set up a, like, super artificial meeting between him and Frost to be like, okay, now Blade has a thing with the real bad guy. And, like, he kind of didn't have a thing with the real bad guy. And they're, like... Kind of. Um, just from a, like, like character interaction standpoint more than right. anything else like certainly like plot wise they gave him motivation to stop the blood god thing from happening right but from a like oh man i'm really feeling like blade's motivation here like that kind of never yeah super happens yeah totally um with i have mixed feelings about masculinity femininity in this movie so so obviously <laughs> obviously the the whole uh mother thing at the end is fucking weird and creepy and unnecessary and awful um i kind of like how karen is in this movie um because she just doesn't she doesn't seem that intimidated by blade or really a lot of people She's, yeah, she's, she's kinda, not like a helpless character. She doesn't take any shit. She's, she's just like the least yeah. helpless character that served as bait for like a solid like forty percent of her time in the movie for two different characters. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I f I feel like she is not helpless because of like a character deficiency. It's just because she doesn't have vampire strength like everyone else does. Right. Like, everyone else in this film is like. Is a vampire that can like regenerate and, and and fuck shit up. She doesn't have those powers, but she can hold her own as as best she can. Yeah, I I would say her personality is cool. It's just her function in the plot is you know standard. And then like when like standard problematic stuff. And then like at the end when it's like everybody's fighting in the big stupid room. And then it's like oh there goes the white vampire girl. And now the two girls have to fight. Yeah, I guess it's time for the girls <laughs> to fight. Yeah. 
Like, and, why? And and luckily we Chekhov's gunned up this mace for her to shoot into the, the, the Lady of Empire's <laughs> mouth and blow her head up. Yep. I do kind of like it when she shoots it into the cop's face. He's like, the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> that is good. What the fuck's wrong with you? I will say, I mean, like, when it comes to the, the, the quote-unquote Chekhov's guns of this film, it does feel like it uses all of them appropriately at the end of the film, which is just like a nice little every part of the buffalo type thing. Mm-hmm. Wait, but Katie, would it, did you have anything about the like femininity stuff that that Bert was pointing out? Yeah. Oh man, it just it brought back a lot of nostalgia for like '90s fashion. Because let's see, I was <laughs> fourteen <laughs> yeah. at that time, so like I was a teen girl, and I was super awkward. And so naturally, I was like really, really like obsessed with fashion and stuff like that. And so like it was just like, oh man. Oh boy, <laughs> makes me remember these bad shoes that we all wore. Um, it's funny because now they're all popular again, which makes me just feel like an old piece of shit. But um, as far as like the femininity goes, um, no, I was just noticing. I'm like, oh, I remember those shirts. I remember that stupid cut of that dress. That was about it, honestly. As far as like the femininity <laughs> went. Um. We would also be remiss to to not talk about Chris Christopherson, who's awesome. He's um, great. <laughs> he does so much heavy lifting the exposition in this film. Yeah, but like he's he tells you what's what. He's just, so good at it. Well, he's like so like hyper macho though. You know, it's like it's basically yeah. like a father figure, but then he's just like, "Fuck off, kid! I hate you. Go eat shit. I'm gonna go die now. Bye." Like it's just so weird. <laughs> I don't yeah. like you or anything, Blade. <laughs> and and obviously 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 how did you get into vampire hunting i had a family wife once had a wife and a daughter uh, obviously yeah. the fucking vampires killed his family his all wife and his the, daughter all the women in my life we never get to see them they never get to do anything at all they exist to be dead and motivation so yeah. I found all the women in my life in a fridge because of vampires. <laughs> He's basically the character from I Am Legend, just like in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Which is arguably less comfortable than in a barren wasteland. You know, personally, since we're also approaching the apocalypse, I really hope I serve as someone's character development by being dead off screen. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Sorry! I can only keep the darkness at bay so long, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> between between like the old ladies in Mad Max and and Whistler, I just want more. I want more like old people k- like kicking ass and being badass in like action movies. It just works really well. Like the minute he shows up in the in the big like stupid uh, glass room and all that shit, he's just like fuck y'all and he shoots everybody. I'm like this rules. <laughs> more of this, please. I don't know about him dying that way. It's it's. Oh man! Well, they they, re- they erase it in Blade too. They bring him back. I because heard it's too that. Fun. How the fuck do you? Did he run off? What do you? <laughs> well, they presume that he got um, so because he's infected, he get turned into a vampire, and then Blade cures him. Mm, I don't know about that one. No, uh, I mean I haven't seen Blade two, but it's, uh, it's extremely fun. It's it's def- it's it's very dull. Like, it's basically, like, Hellboy, essentially. Like, there's, like, so many Hellboy ripoffs. See, I thought this was basically, like, Hellboy, so... Oh, no, like, we're talking, like, down to Ron Perlman, and there's bombs in a sewer. So. <laughs> but there is Ron Perlman. Like, the same set pieces. Like, Del Toro really loves to They have some pieces. of the same ones in here, though. Like, they have the they have the glass with the, the um, old 
scriptures in it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the museum. And then they have the subway tunnel mm-hmm. thing where the guy gets beaten against the subway. Yeah. And, uh, but the, like, you know, like this, but that one wasn't Del Toro. These are Blade 2 is Del Toro. <laughs> sure, sure. I do love how the, the climax of the movie is Steven Dorff, and this is a very 90s reference, engaging no clip mode. And just kind of like doing whatever he wants. He just runs around really fast and says, yeah. and he says boo at you and then punches you. <laughs> I, I like that they have a big fight with swords and I, I'm just staring at the screen like, that's Steven Dorf? That's not Steven Dorf. That's Steven Dorf? That's not him. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. The CGI is pretty remarkable. It's yeah. very 90s. Oh, I meant CGI. more that the stunt guy with the. the oh, sword, sure. Who sure. has a wig on because Steven Dorf's hair is so out of control. <laughs> But even then, yeah, they chops him in half and then, oh, look, it's the he's blood. computer goo. <laughs> it's great. Well, and like, you know, if we think about this film in the late 90s, like, it's kind of like a dearth of serious comic book movies. Because, like, by that time, the Batman series was in, like, full farce mode mm-hmm. um, yeah. with Batman and Robin. There weren't any really other significant, like, like he had Men in Black, but that was still sort of a, a very fun, satirical-ish comic book style film um you really just didn't have anything that was like that serious that points um you had spawn but that was like a critical failure <laughs> udo kier um, felt straight out of one of those batman movies like like chris walken and returns or jack yeah. palance or something yeah i was yeah. like oh we're watching batman this is cool um hmm. yeah but it, it definitely has that weird feel to it um i think it's shot very interestingly yeah like the the way that the camera engages with Blade as a character is super interesting. If you watch the film, just like watch the angles with which how like the camera approaches Wesley Snipes as Blade. Um, he's mm-hmm. really often, almost always, in this position of power over the camera. Yeah, um, I like a lot of the editing. I had a funny thought when I was watching it because there's there's a lot of like flashback or subconscious shots of care the characters have. Where it's like, oh, remember that thing? And it flashes on the screen with, like, no sound. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's cool. And and there's a lot of, like... The fight scenes you can keep track of, but the camera definitely moves around a lot. And I remember watching it, like... I bet back in the day, like, critics probably complained that the editing was, like, too frenetic. And that's, like, hilarious by today's standards. Where, <laughs> like, you have, like, Liam Neeson scaling a fence, and they take, like, 30, 30 cuts to do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas here, it's well, like, like eh, it's fine. W- w- with those flashback scenes, like... In terms of like the the way the camera tells the story, like literacy wise, like those are almost always like tilted angles. Dutch so angles. So we kind of like no, it's like not, you know, it's the inside of a person as opposed to the sort of the presentational up and down, like horizontal verticals are kept in line. Um, yeah. That the rest of the film shot in. So I just this, those little pieces, like I don't think it's like the most incredibly directed film, but those like sort of economical pieces, I just really appreciate how they use the language of film to communicate other things as well yeah the first half i was like "Ooh, who directed this i kind of like it and then i was like oh stephen orrington what did he direct oh league of extraordinary gentlemen <laughs> Ooh, hoo, hoo, what happened man yikes um, well he got his hands on good cgi and then realized he could just green screen the shit out of everything it's a shame man it's a real shame um maybe he'll have a comeback one day he hasn't done maybe anything we'll do an episode since. on league of extraordinary gentlemen oh don't threaten me man <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? Uh, yeah. This is kind of interesting as far as, like, choice, like, 
it, and, and like I'm thinking about two things here. So number one, like the the choice of story to tell, because boy, we did not start with an origin story for this superhero. Like we are in the middle of it. And yeah. as part of that, when we're introduced to Blade in that like vampire blood orgy nightclub scene, uh, he is invincible. Like, he shows up and he is covered in body armor. Like, we see how, like, scary the vampires are because we start from the perspective of, like, the dude who doesn't know what's going on and is about to get eaten by a thousand vampires crushing in on him. And then Blade shows up and those terrifying vampires are completely pathetic compared to him. So we get our character and we know that this dude is unstoppable. This is, like, the freight train of vampire killing. Like, he's just, like the most dangerous person alive and this is the this is the person that we're like okay we're watching a movie about this dude uh and we start out like he is not human like he does not have emotions he's not weak to anything and as the movie goes on like he gets beat up a little bit and you see like the small like emotional attachments he manages to develop and stuff and it's like kind of fun to watch those little chinks in his armor but overall throughout the movie just like really interesting to start out like he is not an underdog in any fight until he is fighting the blood god of the vampires right so so you're saying like for you like that works or doesn't work or like is it just like too high a a high point to start at or no it's just a really interesting set of choices that you kind of never see like even in like even in superman movies and stuff they're like the move like one of the big weaknesses of the superman movies i think is that they're constantly like well we gotta get a a bad guy that's good that's able to go punch for punch with superman and that's like Mm. the point of the superman like that's that's one of the huge downfalls of the most of the superman movies is like that's not that interesting or fun and this was just like a neat perspective like he's a badass and he is unstoppable and you don't really have to like worry about his safety all the time you can just kind of like enjoy the ride as he fucks up some vampires yeah um I feel like with Superman, you need more like moral quandaries. <laughs> that would yeah. be no, the no, way no. to. No. Yeah, you, you're right. I think um, to speak to Superman because that's sort of my passion area of superhero interest. Superman, you think about what is um, a villain, a superhero's arch nemesis, like the Joker and Batman, as we know from like the Dark Knight. Like, is a it's a complementary pair. And that's why I think Lex Luthor is usually Superman's complementary pair of villainry. Mm-hmm. Um, because Lex Luthor is, and this is me reading into sort of Superman as socialist kind of ethos. Superman as a supporter of the little guy, you know, like his origin story is, you know, helping fight landlords in like New York City. His origin story is about fighting a emotionless uh, capitalist. And that's what Lex Luthor should be, I think, to be an effective villain um, because he doesn't have any emotional ties. He has no – he's just pure intellect and the lust for profit and power. And that's, to me, the Superman stuff that's most interesting is when he goes up against that kind of Lex Luthor and has the moral issues, the emotional issues because he is so strong already. And that's really interesting because, like, we kind of have – in Blade – Vampires are this, like, symbol of lust and, like, not bothering to have any self-control and just, like, indulging all your urges. Like, that's classically, like, what vampires are, and that's what a lot of the vampires act like in this movie. And then Blade is this, like, keeps all of his emotions in check, like, doesn't have – doesn't allow himself too many, like – 
you know, connections or anything like that. So he's kind of like placed himself into that character as a an offset as a, a antithesis. Just yeah, like just a counterpoint to like what those vampires are. So that's kind of an interesting like you know, well, like he doesn't like. I mean, I don't know how y'all read this. I don't think he had much of a romantic relationship with Karen in the Do film. Do you think he's no. Tradcath? Do you think he's Tradcath? <laughs> <laughs> well, if he was Tradcath, then he'd be like really disappointed by holy water not maybe, being a thing. Maybe Valso. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's like he has to gather his his energy. He's probably worried <laughs> about making more vampires by you know sure breeding or whatever. This this bloodline ends with me. There. <laughs> Yeah, he's like those, uh, like the the like people in like who are descended from Hitler's bloodline who won't have children. Like that's that's oh, that's where he's at right Blade's now. Blade's basically Hitler Junior. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> um, something I found interesting is like so reading about because a lot of people are like this is this is one of the first big comic book movies. This is a successful comic movie. So reading about the original comic book character is like. No, nobody knew who the fuck this character was. <laughs> like, it's just a kind of one-off character. Like, it, it feels like even if you Slips were... defined the role, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like... And, and everything I've read on it is, like, they changed the character a lot for this movie. And I'm like, I'm kind of like, good? It seems to work really well. Like, it seems like that's how the character should have been, is the way they did it in this movie. Um, which well, is... Well, and think about, like, it's a film about a black vigilante... Yeah. Who is running around empowered to do whatever he wants and kill whoever he wants. Um, that's an interesting, you know, like Katie started at the start of the film, like that's a really interesting idea to think about in 2019. Sadly, yeah. like 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. It's great when he gets to beat the shit out of a cop over and over. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Cause like he takes him down to his car and he's the guy's like I don't know. He's like go fuck yourself. He's like he pulls out his gun like I'm gonna shoot you right now in the middle of the street. I'm gonna shoot this he's, cop. He and, slams the, a cop's head into the hood of a car in the middle of the street. And then he's he straight up is it's a about great to reversal. Straight up is about to blast his head off. And she's like no don't. And he's like what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like you're about to kill, like, about to kill a cop in the middle of the road. Like <laughs> he just does not care. He's like no. This is fine. <laughs> it's such a I don't know. There's not many movies that would that would be able to pull that off. <laughs> yeah, actually, wait, did we did we talk about this last episode? How there was just like or maybe I just saw a post about this. There was like a period of time in from like the late 80s probably up until like 9/11 or so. Where, like, there were a lot of action movies where the good guys beat the shit out of cops. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, like Terminator 2. He's just, well, like, fighting a cop the whole Termin- time. I, Terminator I w- 1. I mean, he just fucking... I mean, he's the bad guy, but still... Yeah, he's the bad guy, so I think that doesn't quite count. But Terminator 2, the whole time, he's blowing holes in a cop. I would... I mean, this is, like, a, a thesis I have. <laughs> I would point to that as, like, a post-9-11 and pre-9-11 thing. I that, just like, once- said that. <laughs> Damn! Don't steal valor, Matt. Yeah. What? <laughs> I I I didn't quite say exactly that, but I did say this was something that was going on from like the late '80s up until probably like 9/11 or so. And I, yeah. I do think that 9/11 is like the reason that it probably stopped. Yeah, because at that point, it's a change of 
we just valorized police officers and firefighters and troops. Capital T. Not too many movies that feature the good guys beating the shit out of firefighters before 9-11. <laughs> oh, God. That's an unexplored well, territory. there's the TV show Rescue Me. <laughs> oh, does does Dennis Leary get beaten up a lot on that? Because I'll watch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. He also kicks ass a lot, too, which is the unfortunate uh, part about it. So, yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> so. Dennis Leary, I know you listen to the podcast. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Quit stealing Bill Hicks' shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but seriously, stop yes, stealing his shit. Thank you. Um, how would y'all uh, recommend this movie to someone else? Or I think it's interesting, and I actually I do love the Blade series. I even like the third one, which is a sign of my terrible taste in movies, I suppose. <laughs> With Ryan Reynolds and the iPod and Triple H and Triple H. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. How dare I impugn Hunter Hearst Humsley? <laughs> <laughs> Triple H, I know you listen to the podcast. You're going <laughs> oh, down at SummerSlam. Bert, did you did you not know that Triple H also has gold fangs in that one? I got now you're making me want to watch it, and I know I don't want to watch it, so don't do it's, this to me. It's a two hour iPod commercial. Yeah. <laughs> now I definitely thanks, you turned it around, Matt. I appreciate it. <laughs> Saved you there. You almost wanted to see it. And Matt swooping okay. in to rescue you. <laughs> It is. There's like an extended five minute iPod commercial at the end of the film. Oh my god! I somehow forgot about that. I only Does watched Vertigo. Vertigo starts playing. Uh, okay, so do we recommend the movie? Is that what you're asking? Um, also, recommend the movie soundtrack. Jesus. Oh my god! Wait, we didn't really talk about it. the music. Is so bad. It's really bad. It's so, so good. bad. Was, is there like really that much of a difference? Because like I know y'all are all younger than me, but like not like significantly, right? Sometimes it feels that way. Just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cold-blooded. Gotcha! Well, this is definitely a time I want to be insulted. Thanks. Oh. Um, so, but, like, I remember really liking Crystal Method, Chemical Brothers, and that stuff. Because, like, I think I was entering high school around the time this movie came out. So, like, I wanted to be cool. That was the cool music for the raves that I was not allowed to go to. And still I think, have not done yeah. party drugs, but... You know. When I think Crystal Method, I think the South Park soundtrack. Oh, Christ. I so, don't know anything about that. So That is a deep, dark uh, memory I don't want to think about. Um, I think about Command and Conquer Red Alert. I think there was a Crystal Method song on that that played during a lot of the, the, on a lot of the maps. I think it was Frank Klopaki imitating Crystal Method. Oh, is that, that the one with Tim it. Curry? Tim Curry. Uh, no, that's Red Alert 3. Oh. No, wait. Yeah. Was that 2 or 3? I know 2 had like the hilarious full moon. Anyways, we're going Red, Red Alert 2 here. had Carrie Wooer. Oh, that's right. Okay. 3 has Tim Curry. Okay. <laughs> this is like all like adolescence, like sexual awakening, yes. just like all reenacted through RTS games. Tanya, right? Yep. Wait, yeah. Shake it, baby. Okay. But <laughs> I, I, while I respect. Katie's uh, young music taste. Um, no, I, I hated 90s techno music for the most part. Um, but I liked way worse shit, if that's any consolation. I think we discussed it during Titan AE. I liked, like, Bare Naked Ladies and stuff. Oh, God, that's right. Titan <laughs> AE. See, like, Titan AE to me, like, had the unbearable soundtrack. Oh, yeah. The butt rock? Yeah. The whiny butt rock. butt rock. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, this, like, I... 
I didn't like it. Like, I wouldn't like go seek it out and like I'm not gonna go jam to it. Though I did go put on actual new order to like cleanse yeah. my palate after we had that discussion. Um yeah. because uh I am very pretentious about music for someone who does not play any music, like who has like <laughs> no musical background. I'm I'm just snooty for an unfounded reason. Um <laughs> so like yeah I so something about this that, like, um, I think in a lot of ways that some people associate, like, smells with certain memories and time periods in their lives, like, music to me is definitely, like, the visceral, like, indicator. Like, you could just start playing that song from the scene, even if I hadn't seen this movie in, like, 20 years, and I could tell you, like, some of the major things that were happening in the background just because of that, like, visual association to music. And it's like that for a lot of things, not just movies. Um, like there are certain like songs that I definitely like can't listen to because of the visceral association of like something that was happening at that time. So maybe that's just me. I don't think so. I think it's pretty common. No, for sure. Yeah, that's pretty common. So like, there's something about this. Like I I couldn't tell you why, but now we all know. Like something about me still really likes '90s techno music <laughs> for someone who never went to any raves. I will say it wasn't like actively offensive. Like I, it was just background techno music, and I was like, okay, it's the nineties. We're doing that around that time. I was still, I was definitely wearing Jinkos. So, oh yeah, hell yeah. I, I had an actual problem with it when it was like, all right, now we're in a fight, and then the techno like kicked in, and <laughs> it, it could have like, been worse. You could have had new metal. That would have been. Mm-hmm. Worse. I mean, that's this is really really true, but. Like using Godsmack. Oh my god. You know what? Yeah. I would have using... I would have permitted like Romstein or something. That would Oh right. yeah, sure. Get Fear Factor. <laughs> Rob Zombie. Fe- uh, like Rob Zombie could come on and be appropriate. I was surprised Dragula didn't show up in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I actually optioned it for the Matrix. They aren't optioned for the Matrix. Dragula is everything. on my actual legit exercise mix. I hear it like almost every day. I, love... I did hear it every day in the 90s. <laughs> well, everywhere. now I'm opting to hear that, like, Dr. Robert H. Zombie, when I'm, like, fucking doing, like, the stepper. Like, it's great. I love it. I'm not even being ironic, so. <laughs> For sure. Well, plus, it's a vampire movie. You need Dracula in the movie. Oh, you need like, Dracula in every movie, I'd argue. Let's go watch sure. Arrival. Put Dracula in it. Citizen Kane. <laughs> made better with Dracula. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's the scene where um, Amy Adams is trying to save the world, and it's playing Dragula. <laughs> That's the universal language that it keeps. It turns time. It's Dragula. Fuck, I really want this to happen now. <laughs> yeah, I am the sun. <laughs> trying to talk to the Chinese ambassador. Are, okay, wait. Are you, are you rethinking your Mambo Number no. 5 stance for Dark City now? Just have Jennifer Connelly just... Go into oh Dracula. my god, that would be awesome. <laughs> well, no, because, like, so, I, there are, like, certain music that, like, I stand by. Like, I stand by that Titan E would be improved with if you just muted all the dialogue and put on Power Man 5000 when worlds collide. Sure. Hell yeah. Uh, Dark City, it's still Mom Mom number five because it's, like, noir. But, like, a lot of other stuff, you could just, like, like in, in really pivotal moments of dialogue, like with the Chinese ambassador, you could just queue up Dracula. And it would be great. <laughs> All the flashback scenes to her daughter. <laughs> Living dead girls. <laughs> It'd be great. It would 
could be. You're right. Let's just do. Let's just make our own like fan dub. Let's just do it. We can even do our own dialogue. Okay. Do you all try to end the cast again? Okay. So what I shot. would I recommend this movie? Uh, hell yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a great movie. It's it's an underrated movie, if anything. And and it's it might be better than the Matrix. So there you go. Watch it instead of the new Matrix movie. That's what I say. I'd recommend it. Like it's it's a good like '90s classic. It's I'm not sure if the selling point of like some of the stuff at the end look liking you know, look, looking like it's uh, airbrushed on the side of a van is a selling point or like a, <laughs> you know like a bad thing. But for some people, I'm sure they're like hell yeah, I love this fucking weird <laughs> bat skeletons that emerge out of our body when we die. So yes, <laughs> they, they actually. Like, yeah, I love it. Their way the out of out. Mouths. I hope yeah. that's what happens when I actually die. That would fucking rule. I'm like, hold on, my let skeleton me... just just like done. I'm out. I'm, I'm trying this open. But then, like, it's also like, but then, like, the other skeletons dissolve. It's like that blood made them form a whole second skeleton, slightly smaller, yeah. and somehow airborne. Mm-hmm. Well, it had wings. It did have wings. Right. It didn't have any flesh on it. How the fuck were they flipping around? <laughs> well, it's, it's, they were not like a lot of spirits more than anything. They're else. ornamental. They right through yeah. them a bunch of times. Yeah. If yeah, ornamental. If you don't have weight, it's not easy if, to fly. If they flew without the wings, everybody in the audience would go, "How are they flying?" I mean, so they have corporeal because they just ripped their way out of another. Bo- you know what? It's fine. You want to try to end the podcast? Again? <laughs> <laughs> Can we please keep in how how many times we tried to end the podcast and are like, well, acknowledging Bert, that fact? Bert's Bert's editing it this way. So. Oh, uh, <laughs> air horn, <laughs> Dracula here. I would say this is a film that is deliciously dated. Wesley Snipes is great. It's a lot of fun. I love the series. Check it out. Yeah, you should you should definitely watch it uh, if you haven't seen it. Uh, you should probably watch it, and you'll probably realize that you did see at least parts of it on cable because it was pretty inescapable at one point. But yeah, it's fun. It's like pretty silly. Wesley Snipes is great, so it's worth it. I think if you turn on TNT, it just like through osmosis, just like comes through. Like, oh yeah, whatever movies are showing, just like scenes, just like pop up here and there. Mm-hmm. Um. If you would love to uh, get in touch with the podcast, you can email us at Second Star Cast. Um, you can also find us on social media at Second Star Cast on Twitter and anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, where can we find you all on social media? I am on Twitter at, at Refreshing Time. Uh, trying to make jokes. It's a living. Uh, I am tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast still exclusively about Magic the Gathering. All of my jokes are Magic the Gathering related as well. I'm at Anime Weed Fart 69, and I'm constantly now going to start tweeting at Rob Zombie. <laughs> we get air horns this episode because I'm doing it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I am at a very big bear on Twitter, and I'm tweeting mostly about politics. So it's the election primary season. So good luck. <laughs> That that gets a sad trombone. (laughs) 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 And Bert's editing this podcast, so good luck, everyone. (laughs) Next week, we'll be watching the 1999 Brendan Fraser vehicle, The Mummy.
We'll see you all next week. <laughs>